want to talk to you today about something that I spoke to the leaders about that I really feel uh, it is a great word for our church, especially coming into the new year. And I want to talk to you this morning about perseverance. Everyone say perseverance. You know, I think often in life, perseverance gets a bad rap. Because when we think about perseverance, especially now, I mean, all of us over the last two years have persevered. So you think, here we go, another sermon about perseverance. But I think many times we limit perseverance to this idea about all the negative issues that we have to deal with in our life. So when you think about perseverance, you often think about the problem or the issue that you're facing. There's no doubt that right now, as I've mentioned the word perseverance, many of us in this room can think of at least three different things that we're having to navigate and massage and work through with a great amount of perseverance. And many times in life, we seem to have this negative idea of perseverance, of having to push through and deal with the problem and deal with the issue and, you know, deal with the situations that we're dealing with. You know, I remember years ago, uh, back in Adelaide, when we built our first house, and it was only a, a few years after we were married, and we thought, what a great idea, let's buy a block of land, let's build a house. And I don't know if you've ever built a house before, but it's probably the most frustrating, stressful experience that you've ever been through in your life. And so, you know, we found a block of land and uh, we were able to subdivide it. And it was very funny, actually, because uh, uh, back in those days, uh, you know, I couldn't afford the whole block, but I went in with someone else and we subdivided the block. But I wanted to get council approval before the block was actually subdivided. So in other words, I didn't, sorry, I didn't want to purchase the block until I knew that I was going to get the council approval. And so I wrote that in the contract these days. I don't think you can do that because the market's so hot in Melbourne. uh, You don't have that flexibility. But the market was very slow moving in Adelaide back then. And so the the, uh, agent allowed me to do that. But there was a certain limit of time that I had to get my council approval. Now, back in those days, if you signed something like that and if it didn't go ahead, the agent had to issue you a written notice for the next stage. And so out of that notice, you then had to go unconditional. And so she had to give me a notice if I didn't get that approval in place. And so a month went by and the council was just languishing and we were waiting for this approval, waiting for this approval. And I knew the agent was basically going to start knocking on my door saying, well, here's the notice now. You now need to go unconditional. So you know what I did? For the next month, I didn't answer my phone. (laughs) I said to Frank, there is no knock on the door that will answer. I said, we are out of here. We are going underground. (laughs) And in the end, the approval came through and she came to me. She said, I've been trying to get hold of you for a month. I said, well, I've been around. (laughs) I've been around. And so we started this particular process of building this house and we got the subdivision and so it was a narrow block and it was a steep block. And so the road was on the high side of the block. And so we began the process, and it was actually Alex's brother who built the house for us, great builder, uh, Tony Adart. He's actually the one that's helping us with our Waverley campus. And so we started this process, and there was a whole bunch of challenges and difficulties and things like that. Anyway, we finally had the house built. And one of the things that I didn't actually account for was the steepness of the driveway. Now, back then, we just got the house built as basic as we could, And so we didn't have enough money to actually get the driveway concreted. That was still going to be another year away. And so the rubble, they put rubble on the driveway. They put this aggregate on the driveway. And so when I drove out of the driveway, I often would get stuck halfway 
on the driveway and there'll be a massive divot as I'm spinning my wheels just to get out of my driveway. I think I've just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a house. I can't even get out of my own driveway. And so the way that we used to do it was I would have to do a massive burnout in my garage to shoot out of the driveway, making sure that there was no kid on the other side of the road. And every morning, like a rocket straight out of the driveway, right? Every morning I used to wake up, no matter what was going on in my life, I'd be stressing, will I make it out of the driveway? I was persevering on an issue that was in the back of my head every single day for about two years until we finally got a concrete driveway. Everyone in the street knew they could hear me when I'd go off to work because I'd be revving my car so hard. I think I'd change my tyres about five times. Sometimes in life, when it comes to perseverance, we just often think about the issues and we get worried and we get consumed and we think about this thing that seems to eat away at us on a daily basis. There's no doubt that many of us right now, we've probably got things in our own life that we're having to wrestle with on a daily or weekly basis. You know, Jesus himself talked about persevering with people. And I think one of the challenges in life is just having to persevere with certain people. I remember, (laughs) I wasn't gonna say this, but I will say it now. Look, I remember last year, you know, there were some people that weren't happy with our COVID response as a church. I do wanna thank the majority of our church for just being on the journey with us. But I remember some person caught up with me for two and a half hours and told me all the things I did wrong as a minister during COVID. And I said to him, I said, first of all, I want to apologise. I'm sorry if I've offended you. This is my first pandemic. (laughs) I think I'll get better at the next one. Jesus talked about the frustration of persevering with some people. There's a story of Jesus with the kid who's, uh, who needs to be delivered of demons and uh, he turns to the crowd and he says, how long should I put up with you? How, shall, how long should I put up with this lack of faith? There's no doubt Jesus in his ministry was often frustrated as he was persevering certain issues and certain problems that just seemed to always be recurring. That's not the type of perseverance that I want to talk to you about this morning because I think often we can get locked into that mentality of perseverance. But there's another type of perseverance that we see Jesus experience and one that the Apostle Paul experienced, one that Job experienced. And it's not a perseverance towards a problem. It's not a perseverance towards a draining, problematic issue but it's a perseverance towards a God-given dream and a goal and the purpose of God that God has put in your life. And so this morning, I wanna talk to you not about persevering an issue because I honestly think over the last two years, we can become so issue-based that we forget that on the other side of that, There are still the dreams and the purposes of God and the callings of God that God has put upon us and our families and our businesses. That it's not just about the issues. 
but it's also about the dream that God has put in your heart. And just maybe this year, God wants to shift our focus. Rather than always pursuing the problem, but actually persevering in the goals and the dreams and the purposes that God has put in our heart. And I want to challenge you this morning, let this be a year of a perseverance of faith. Not a perseverance of doubt. Not a perseverance of conquering fear. Not a perseverance of being consumed with all the stuff that surrounds you. But just maybe a perseverance of faith. A perseverance of hope. A perseverance of expecting what God is going to do this year. Like what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 25. The Bible says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. The word there literally means to ponder, to know where you're going, what God is doing in your life right now. And I think many times in life when we come into a new year, we can kind of go in the opposite direction where we're just worried about all the issues and the problems rather than going in the right direction. It's like the story I heard the other day about a lady, an elderly lady who rings up her husband and she said, mate, you better get off the Monash Freeway because there's a maniac driving on the wrong side of the road. He said, what, one person? There's hundreds of them driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> Sometimes we're just going in the wrong direction. Come on, but God wants us to go in the right direction. And I just believe not always looking back, but looking forward. In persevering, some of the things that God has put in your heart is in the right direction. Look what James says in James chapter 5, verse 7 to 11. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count it as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. You know, the word perseverance in the original language means this, and we can have this up. That'd be great. It says, the characteristics of a man or a woman who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. So this morning, let me ask you, what is your deliberate purpose in 2022? Not what your problem is, not what your stress point is, not what the issue is. There's always going to be, come on, who knows there's always going to be issues. I've realised this with issues. As I've dealt with one, there's another one that comes up. So I'm not asking you today what your issue is because we've all got issues. I'm asking you today, what is your deliberate purpose in 2022? Without being distracted, what has God put in your heart this year for your family and for your health and for your business and for your mental well-being? I want to persevere towards those things. It's a good question to ask. What are you and I going for in faith? What are we expecting from the Lord? Let me just say this. If your goal this year is just to cope, then that's all what you'll do in life. 
you'll just cope. If your goal this year is just to get through, that's going to be what you're going to achieve. But listen, church, God has got so much more for us than just to cope, just to get through. God has given us purpose and direction. God wants to do so much more in our lives than just survive. Come on, if you believe it this morning, say amen. Can we say this year that God, I know that you're going to pull something out of me this year. You know, I was talking to one of our business guys this year and uh, I was having a conversation with him and he's, he talked to me about three years ago, they bought a particular site or they leased a particular site to build one of their, um, uh, one of their retail outlets on. And uh, he was saying to me, he goes, you know, he goes, the last three or four years, just to get that site up and running, he said, it's just been incredibly frustrating. But there were issues with the council. There were, you know, issues with the landlord. They originally wanted to buy it, but the landlord wouldn't sell it to them. So they had to lease it. They had to fight other people off just to get the lease. He said, then there were issues with building it and council approvals. And he said, just for three or four years, he goes, it was just a continual frustration this particular site. He said, we'd spent hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get it to that point. And a couple of weeks ago on Friday, they opened that site for the very first time. And he was just telling me how he said, how I, he goes, I went there at the opening and uh, he said, I just sat back. And he said, the first customer that walked in, he said, spent a total of $27. But he said, it was the best $27 of my life. Because for the last number of years pouring out, I finally saw a return actually come back. And I just began to think about that. About a man who's persevering towards a goal. He could have stopped with all the issues that were leading up to that point. And sometimes we can get so short-sighted about the issues. But listen, church, there is a bigger plan at play. There's a bigger purpose at play. God wants to expand your thinking in 2022. And so there's two types of perseverance or two ideas about perseverance that I want to leave with you this year, right? Number one, if you're going to persevere in faith and hope and the, the dreams that God has given you, can I encourage you this year, don't make it about the issue. Make it about what God is doing in your life. Don't make it about the issue. We are so issue-driven. Don't make it about the issue. Make it about what God is doing. God is doing something in my life. I might not know what it is yet, but because I'm His, because I'm a child of His, because He's my heavenly Father, He never lets just random things take place in my life. God is doing something and I may not understand it and it may frustrate me, but I'm gonna make a decision that I'm not gonna focus on the issue, but I'm gonna focus on a deeper spiritual response that God is doing something in my life. And I guess the perseverance of Job, and that's why James mentions it, wasn't just a perseverance to endure trouble, but there was another stream at work. There was another agenda at work in the process of the trouble, and it was a perseverance of faith. And I love the fact that James points it out and says, see what the Lord has finally brought about. In other words, God pulled something out of Job that Job did not even recognise himself. I prophesy over this church in 2022 that God is going to pull something out of our families and something out of our character and something out of our resilience that we have never, ever seen before because it's not just about the issue, but it's about God doing a work in our lives. 
Look what Job says about himself, about his own plight. He says in Job 23 verse 10, he says, but he knows the way that I take and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I've kept to his way without turning aside. I've not departed from the command of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Notice Job doesn't say when it has tested me. He says when he's tested me. He doesn't make it about the issue. And Job had a lot of reasons to complain about the issue. Job says, this is not about the issue. This is actually about God doing something to me. And when he's tested me, I'm going to come out better, stronger, healthier than when I actually came in. When he has tested me. He may not know the full picture, but he knows that God is there. The second consideration of perseverance, and I'll finish with this, is deciding what is worth your perseverance. What is worth your energy? What is worth your focus? What I've realised over the last two years out of COVID, I've realised that just some people have just wasted their energy on things that are never going to produce a level of productivity in their lives. And it's a good question to actually ask yourself in 2022, what is worth your perseverance? Because you've only got so much that you can actually give out on a daily basis. What is worth your attention? What is worth your energy? What is worth your time and emotional resource? What is worth your hunger? There's one area here that I think you and I as believers often become familiar with. And we can lose sight of this potency in our lives. And a great picture of this is in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. Again, I was reading my devotions. This popped up and I thought this is a great example of what I'm talking about this morning. And it talks about the Ark of the Covenant in King Saul's lifetime. And as we know, the Ark of the Covenant back in Israel's day in the Old Testament literally represented the very physical presence of God. Now today, you and I have the Holy Spirit, praise God. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, you and I, we have the Spirit of God living within us. And so we can be at home and we can be under pressure and we can begin to ask the Spirit of God just to come and encourage us. And I'm about you, but the Bible talks about God giving us the peace that surpasses all understanding. In other words, you don't need to be at church to be encouraged. You can be wherever you are around the world because the Spirit of God is with you. But back in the Old Testament, it was the Ark of the Covenant. It was central to the presence and the power of God. But it was during King Saul's lifetime that they forgot about the Ark of the Covenant. They forgot about the presence of God. And 1 Chronicles 13, verse 1 to 4, David sees it and picks it back up. And he says this, that David conferred with each of his officers, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. And then he said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and if, the, if, if it is the will of God, of the Lord our God, let us send word far and wide to the rest of our people throughout the territories of Israel. David had now taken over. Also with the priests and the Levites who were with him in their towns and pastorlands to come and join us. Let us bring the ark of our God back to us. Let's get the physical manifest presence of God that had been discarded back into the central part of Israel's life. For listen, 
for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. The whole assembly agreed to this because it seemed right to all the people. And so they bring it back and someone touches it and dies. Became familiar with the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that it arrived at the, at the house of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom, we, we don't know much about Obed-Edom. I think it's for the first time that he's mentioned here in this particular scripture. But the Bible says this about Obed-Edom, that when it arrived in verse 13, David did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed his household and everything that he had. This is the point. Somewhere along the way, with all of Saul's troubled leadership and all the nationwide issues that were going on and all the stress points and all the battles and all the frustration and all the annoyances, they had lost sight of the presence of God. They didn't carry the responsibility of going after His presence. They carried a lot of other stuff I mean, Saul was constantly plagued with fear and insecurity and a whole bunch of other stuff, but they never ever carried the presence and the stuff that really mattered, really mattered. Oh, they they persevered in a whole bunch of other stuff, but the stuff that really mattered, they didn't persevere in that. And as a result, they lost their understanding of the presence of God, even King David. He shouldn't have feared the presence of God. He should have embraced the presence of God. They lost the ability to work with the anointing. They lost their ability on how to handle the presence of God accurately. Somewhere along the way, they lost their edge for His presence. Their ability to become aware of His presence. They became sloppy in it. They didn't understand it. But Obed-Edom was blessed because he took on the responsibility of the presence of God. And I want you to notice he was blessed not because he was a mighty warrior, not because he was highly talented, not because he had all the right career prospects, not because he was in the right place at the right time. He was blessed because he carried the responsibility of the presence of God in his house. And this is the point. This is the point. They'd forgotten about it. They went on with their lives of being battles and frustrations. They forgot about it. But that didn't mean that the presence of God had lost its potency and power. It was as potent as powerful, even though they ignored it. And I do believe that many Christians are living on half juice, living on a quarter of a tank because they're pursuing they are persevering in all this other stuff and they have lost the very understanding of the power of God in their lives that can bring peace, that can bring nourishment, that can sustain them in life's greatest challenges and troubles. And they've just become persevering in the problem that they actually forget. Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Our resilience today is not because we are people that are special, but our resilience today is because we understand the power of God in our situation and we can call upon Him who's the author and who's the finisher of our faith. So let us not forget the presence of God in our own lives.
Let's not become like the children of Israel. I just believe that if I put God first, my house will be blessed. And I'm not the smartest guy around. I'm not the greatest parent around. But if I just put God first, if I hunger after His presence, I believe my household will be blessed like the house of the Obed-Edom. It's interesting, a few chapters later, we see something very powerful happen in now 1 Chronicles 16, verse 37 to 38. Look now what's happening in the house of Obed-Edom. That David left Asaph and his associates before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister regularly according to each day's requirements. They're now starting back all of the, you know, the, the religious rituals and all the things that they were doing. He also left Obed-Edom and his 68 associates to minister with them. Obed-Edom and his 68 associates. In other words, what, what one man, what was one man's responsibility, how he took on the presence of God, had now become a full-blown ministry. Their attendance and their structure, there's a whole bunch of activity going on. You know, often in life, we, we often feel under-resourced or we often feel when we're dealing with issues that what we have is not enough. I think the biggest issue that people often are questioning today in their own lives is, have I got what it takes to handle the future? But Obed-Edom, from one guy to 68, just because he focused on one thing. And again, my challenge to you today is, listen, this is not about being just blessed and being well-fed. This is about being equipped. This is about purpose and direction. This is about God providing for you so that you can be effective in this world. God just doesn't want you and I to be blessed when we come back and our family's blessed and our finances are blessed and we're blessed. No, God wants you and I to be effective in this kingdom. So when you get to the end of your life, you knew that you did something worthwhile for the kingdom of God. And the way that you are equipped, the way that you are resourced, is by putting the presence of God first in your life. You know, many people stop at the provision of God just to be well-fed. But what about the provision of God to be effective in life? To be productive, to be skilled up, ready for the task ahead. To come to the end. And like the Apostle Paul, you've poured your life out. And you know that God has used you. And I felt the Lord speak to me about the house of Obed-Edom. Church, I wanna be a house like that. Let our houses be houses that carry the presence of God. Not houses that carry issues. Not houses that allow the outside world to come in and rob us of our joy. Listen, if you're allowing the outside world to continually come in and wreck the peace in your home, stop it. Make a decision, don't allow 2022 to be that to you. But I want the house of, I want to be like the house of Obed-Edom where I'm cultivating the presence of God. I'm going after the presence of God. So can I encourage you this year, let's not make it a year of outside focus. Oh, we've got missions, we have responsibilities. I'm not talking about that. Well, let's make it a year that we go after the presence of God in our own homes, with our own kids, in our own families. Come on, this source that God has given us, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's make that a priority this year. Let's make faith a priority. 
Let's make hope a priority. I tell you, church, it can be so easy to be issue-based because we've been dealing with issues for the last two years. Can I encourage you to put a line in the sand? It's going to start pursuing the things of God. Faith, hope, expectation of what God wants to do in my life. I tell you, as a church, that's what we're going for. Oh, we're doing missions. We're doing stuff outside. But in our meetings, this is something that we're always going to go for. We just go after God and hunger after Him. All these other things will be taken care of. And I believe that is a word for someone here today. You've been so tired of just dealing with issues. Some of you every morning, like me in that garage, are anxious about what lies ahead. Can I make it to the top of the driveway? But God wants you to go further than that this year because there are still dreams and purposes that God has put in you. You know what? There's some of you, God put a dream in your heart in 2019. Guess what? That hasn't changed. That hasn't, COVID hasn't derailed that. God put a dream in your heart 10 years ago. God, that, the enemy hasn't derailed that. Do you think we can go back to that this year? Amen.